movies were never safe to begin with, and the truth is stranger than fiction. Starring Moral Bob, Drew Misson, and Andy Rouse. Conspiracy Theater 3000. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. Something given has no value. Well, I got a couple of thousand goddamn questions, you know? The world ain't what it seems, is it, Gunny? I want to speak to someone in charge. The moment you think you got it figured, you're wrong. Enforce, my friends, is violent. They've been studying it for years, fighting our weaknesses. I want a lot to complaint. <laughs> you're safe and alive. You're already dead, everybody. They have created a repressive society, and we are their unwitting accomplices. The world is a business. You have no right to make people crazy. We've got to stop them! They're going to kill us all! How come I know so much? Their intention to rule rests with the annihilation of consciousness. What the hell is going on around here? Who's going on, you people? They are safe as long as they are not discovered. That is their primary method of survival. Keep us asleep, keep us selfish, keep us sedated. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented, with which we're presented, with which we're presented. Welcome back for another episode of Conspiracy Theatre 3000. Bob, it has been a while since we got together and did this, hasn't it? Dude, <laughs> uh, I haven't rewatched the movie, so it's, it's, it's it feels like I haven't watched it. So I'm going to need you to lead lead us along on this one. Um, That's okay. I can do that. I've got yeah, enough notes has, there. And it's been, I think, it's I, been think I can carry this one. It it's has been, been too way long. too long. Well, luckily, the next one, I've seen that movie no less than like 50 times. So I don't have to watch it again. I will. But like that You just watch it in your mind and let yeah, it play out. Yeah, yeah, dude. I watch it every day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is our breakdown for Highlander, the 1986 film written by Gregory Wyden, directed by Russell McCauley, starring Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, and Clancy Brown. It has a runtime of one hour and 56 minutes, rated R in Australia upon its release. It's about an immortal Scottish swordsman who must confront the last of his immortal opponents in a murderously brutal, barbarian, lustful fashion for the fabled prize. This one was a, I can't remember how crazy it was the first time I watched this, that it was the first of its kind in a while for Hollywood. It was definitely an 80s flick, but it definitely had that, the idea of it being a a cult classic as you're watching it. Right. Well, and they did a lot of new stuff, like new, like some of the, the effects were kind of new, adding the lightning and, and you know, so people like disappearing, you know, this was, so it was kind of a, but they did it in such kind of a, a cheesy way that that's what gave it its cult classic status. I think is that it was done uh, in such a way that it was like intentionally cheesy. Yeah. And it's, it had that very much the vibe of a, a 1980s New York for what I imagined 1980s New York would be. It seemed like a, a bit of a shithole. Yeah, it was very Gotham City, right? Yes, like, very much so. 
Yeah, very dark or like Dark City, you know, where it's just like a lot of the shots are at night in the dark. You know, you don't. It's just a dark movie overall it, in in, you know, setting and theme. Yeah. Uh, now, Andy's not actually here for this one as yet. Touchwood is going to show up. So what I might start off with is just some did you know facts about the film before we get started. We'll sink our teeth into those. Cleanse our palate before we start breaking down some of the heavier shit. <laughs> right. And Christopher Weber, <laughs> you know, he was a lot of people don't even know who he is. Um, no, he was like a huge star at this time. Like, yeah, but even the, the filmmakers didn't know much about him. Here's the first thing. They were actually shocked. They signed him up for the role as McLeod, the main character. And only after signing his contract did they not realize he couldn't speak a word of English. Oh, shit. <laughs> so he had to sit down for six weeks prior to the actual production and learn as much English as quickly as he possibly could. Holy shit, I didn't know that either. <laughs> it kind of comes across now when you know that and the way he speaks in the film. Yeah, man, man a makes, few words. That makes so much more sense. Uh, and a film that could have been so it's a couple of names that were thrown out there to play the role of McLeod instead of Lambert so the first big name that was supposed to be cast as Connor McLeod, Kurt Russell wouldn't that have made it a different movie it wouldn't have, guess who (laughs) talked him out of it guess who talked him out of it Christopher Lambert (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to do this movie man (laughs) Goldie Horn. Goldie Horn talked him out of it. Of course she did. Uh, uh, I think which is funny because better he went off did, for it. Yeah. Yeah. But could you imagine what it would have been like? It would have been like a big trouble in Little China, wouldn't it? Oh, it would have been amazing. Oh, now I want to see that movie. Have you ever have you ever looked into movies that like people should have been this role and it ended up yeah, the not person being that, that person? Then, it. Uh, then you look at it and it's like, whoa, that's a completely <laughs> different movie. Uh, side side note, a big one. Will Smith was po- supposed to be Keanu Reeves' role. He was supposed to be Neo in the Matrix. Oh, but I he fucking turned it down. Well, he's a person who turned the role down. So. Kurt Russell was talked out of it, but the person who just well, he was offered the role and turned it down, Mel Gibson. Oh man, that's a different movie too, but in Isn't a different we know in it, a different direction, right? Because we knew he ended up playing Braveheart, so it could Ooh. have been worked out really well because he can do the accent. Oh yeah, which Lambert can't <laughs> or speak English apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Mel Gibson, man, that would have made it. That would have made it a fucking completely more serious movie. Like, it would have just instantly made it less cheesy, right? It, it would have upped the factor, made it a bit more classy. Yeah. With just his acting credentials attached to it. So there's a phrase that's constantly used in this movie called the quickening. So anytime an immortal's near another immortal, they feel this energy inside them called the quickening. It's actually a term used in childbirth and the first signs of life when a baby gestates. Really? the quickening man that's an interesting thought to ponder on for a little bit isn't it Uh, it's like the creation of life like the moment life is created it's like the spark of life wow all right Mm, all right. right i like it 
Okay, we've got some word magic names. So Connor McLeod from the Irish Gaelic name Concobla, which roughly means lover of hounds or lover of wolves, and is taken to mean the hunter. And McLeod has mean son of, so he's son of the hunter, which throughout this entire film franchise, he's hunting down other immortals. Um, we have Juan Sanchez Villa Lobos Ramirez, which is played by our only Scottish actor in the film, ironically. <laughs> His name Juan in Spanish means God and is gracious. And Ramirez is a patronymic meaning of son of Roman or son of Ramiro and is given the meaning of wise protector from the Germanic elements, raging meaning council and Mari meaning frame. So he's like the counselor protector of our main protagonist because he trains him in that role. Right. Um, Victor Kruger, which is our main protagonist, the bad guy. He's the Kurgan, this like big Germanic evil dude. So Kurgan's pseudonym is Victor Kruger, which actually is an inside joke for the film. So Victor means winner or victory. Kruger mean is a false ad- adaptation of the victim word Krieger, which means warrior. So he's a victorious warrior throughout most of the film. He kills um other immortals throughout the entire film franchise and he's seen as one of the, the best immortal swordsmen that there is um and the kurgan were people from the black sea on the russian steppes uh and they're the most likely the source for the proto-indo-european language so Aryans, um and that name kurgan comes from the russian word meaning burial mound oh jesus so he's just he's the warrior that buries people yes yeah, absolutely. Um, Heather, which is his love interest in uh, medieval Scotland. Heather is a flower. It symbolizes good luck, admiration, and protection. So she's the woman that fell in love with our our Highlander and protected him before he found out what he was. And then we have his new love interest in the future of the 80s, Brenda Wyatt. So that's a Germanic word, flame or sword. And in white is the old English word for brave at war. So she's a brave sword at war. And we see that as, even though she finds out that the Kurgan's this immortal evil being, she still actively tries to fight him off. To no success, but she tries. Yeah. The Kurgan. So we've got a a little bit going on there. Um, I actually read the book as well. I I tend to over-research these films. I didn't even know there was a book. There's a, like a screenplay that was a novelization and the Kurgan's backstory is really interesting. And I think it kind of plays into what I think the film's really all about. So this is the Kurgan's backstory, just a little snippet taken out of the book, the cliff notes. So his first death is recorded in 970 BC when his drunken father crushed his head with a rock. Upon returning to life, the Kurgan proceeded to force his father to swallow searing hot stones, killing him. He then went off to join a group of bandits and raided caravans. He eventually encountered another immortal, the Bedouin, who revealed to him the true nature of who he was, and he was the only person who could be labelled as his friend. During the intervening centuries, the Kurgan took incalculable number of immortal heads. Circa 410 AD, the Kurgan joined the Vandals, the Goths, and the Visigoths in attacking Rome and other Roman settlements, also fighting the Goths against the Huns. He would then later ally himself with the Huns, um, directly fighting alongside Attila around the year 453. From the 5th to 13th centuries, the Kurgan would spread terror with the Tartars, the Tartarians, on the Gobi and the ancient Turkey steppes, as well as with the Viking raiders and the Mongol horde against Genghis Khan. 
So it pretty much tells us he's a Kazarian. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, and, and is the, like, what's what's the origin story? Like, like the real or like, how is an immortal created? Like, so that's what the uh, the second film actually tells us how they're created. Does it? it does, I haven't seen yeah, the second it, one in so long. Oh, like, uh, I think I saw it when it, it first came out. But yeah, I don't know whether to hold that off until the end, but. It's pretty interesting how they're created or how right, they come right. to be. We can, we can circle back to that one. We'll circle back to it. Um, yeah. Next one, this is a little fact about Ramirez. So he's our Spanish slash Egyptian character who trains McLeod. <laughs> the fact that Ramirez actually sounds Scottish based <laughs> on the, the actor who plays him makes sense because he's supposed to be an Egyptian, right? And I'm going to come back to this and how it works. In Scottish mythology... It's a, there's a claim that the Scots were actually descended by an Egyptian princess called Scota, and that's why it's called Scotland, Scotaland. So okay. if you want to think about the first Egyptians being white people that went to Britain, it makes sense that he would have that accent. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I mean, it's getting there. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, Throughout the film, we realize that, you know, they they can't fight on hollowed ground for whatever reason, but it doesn't actually allude to any of them actually believing in Christ or God or any kind of religions because they're immortals. But for some reason, they can't fight on that hollowed ground. While training, McLeod Ramirez tells him, you are safe only on hollowed ground. None of us who violate, will violate this law. Even the Kurgan respects it later on. However, the film never explains why. And later on in the 1992 television series, it's revealed that the only immortal to ever kill someone on hollow ground was at Pompeii, causing the eruption of Vesuvius. Oh, oh, so made the gods angry. Yes, it blows shit up. It makes things go haywire, critical. Interesting. All right, so the swords. There's always swords in these films, for whatever reason, throughout all of time they can't be killed by bullets they can't be run over they can't be crushed they just come back to life they're immortal only way to kill an immortal is to cut the head off of the sword so the sword has symbology in this in this film franchise as well the sword symbolizes power protection authority strength and courage metaphysically it represents the discrimination and the penetrating power of intellect the sword is phallic in nature and a symbol of knighthood and chivalry hence all the immortals are men we don't see a single female immortal throughout these films or books. I mean, it makes sense. If you ask me. I mean, <laughs> men live longer anyway. Like, the death rate for men is lower, but that's just because we're more successful with suicides and we work harder jobs. And, and we do so, stupid shit like jump off right. roofs. Yeah. So, that, but, but when you talk about just healthy men living they have significantly longer lives typically um on average yeah they do absolutely there's a saying that if a man gets married it takes 10 years off his life <laughs> just by putting up with women <laughs> very true <laughs> oh now you'd remember when we sat down we watched this film together it has this opening scene where it's a big um it's a hockey game an ice hockey game and he meets his first immortal there and they're fighting underground 
And there's a lot of steam. There's lots of steam happening in this movie, especially <laughs> in that so scene. Much, they cut a so pipe, steam. steam comes out. The 80s, man. 80s was all about steam coming out of pipes, man. That was like the big effect from Highlander to Commando. I mean, you name it, there's steam coming out of pipes. Anyone to think it was a steampunk-inspired technology of the time. But there, I think there's a reason why they had so much steam in this film. It's not just in that first fight scene. We see it later on as well. Steam has an alchemical symbol from going from a liquid water to solid ice to gas steam. It represents a transformation of water vapor rising. It symbolically means the spirit going out. So it's um, the idea of letting off steam is letting your emotional side out. So these okay. immortals, they're killing each other to absorb that person's spirit. Yeah, Okay. I get it. It connects in a way. In a you way. Know, in a way. Everything connects if you want it to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But I mean, it's just, it was like they just figured that out as a as a way to to kind of fill the negative space. Like in the late 70s, early 80s, it was a huge and it, movie. it looks cool. It looks it fucking looks cool. cool, man. It look, makes you look like <laughs> shit's about to go down. <laughs> especially when you're in a commando like film and you throw a guy onto a steam pipe and say let <laughs> yeah. off some steam and, and then steam <laughs> comes out of the pipe in his chest it's the greatest thing in the world uh... <laughs> i love it <laughs> so we've got that fight scene at the start where he kills the first immortal cuts his head off we see the energy output it goes into him all that woo woo stuff and that's when we start to get the flashbacks of his very first battle in scotland and we see the two rival clans coming towards each other. Did you happen to catch what the symbol was on the rival clans banner? Oh, man, probably when I was watching it. I probably have it, it was, written down in my lost notes. <laughs> it was a, a black bull. It was a symbol of Baal. Oh. <laughs> well, what, with of a, course it black, is. A black of bull with a red is. banner. Of course. That makes sense. Uh, Random note, we were at a college for our kids uh, recital today. And it's a agricultural and engineering college. And they had, I forget the name of the God, but they had a statue of a multi-armed God. That's like a trickster God in the lobby of this freaking like uh, auditorium. Was it like one of those Indian gods, like a Vishnu or a, Mm -hmm. Yeah, multi-armed. I remember it's like a trickster god. And I was just like, well, that's a weird thing to have in here. Is anyway, that just sorry. A, uh, random is that, now, now I'm thinking, is that just so they're tricking people with uh, real misinformation? You're going to a university to be peddled shit? Yeah, dude. It was really weird. It was really weird. God the God symbolism in, in movies is, and everywhere really, like it's all over the place when you really look. It is. Like, it's absolutely. It's it's God or it's like demigod symbolism. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't mean angels. like the one, the one Christ himself, Jesus Henry Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna make it. Happen. A lot of sandals. I'm going gonna on. make it happen. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I. There's, I, I believe in in pantheon, like not believe, but I I think it's it's 
there are rulers outside of this realm and and i think it's we call them gods but there are tons of them who knows how many there are and so i think we've been given to the symbolism and like i don't know if it's something they have to put in stuff or they just you know it's like a like a kid that likes something and they put stickers on shit it's like, ooh, I like this. So everything I have is gonna have this sticker on it. So it's like the <laughs> it's the the god worshiping freaking inner child, where it's like, ooh, I gotta put my god sticker on everything. Every single logo, every every single film has mm-hmm. to be there. I quit drinking Red Bull because of that. I like Red Bull. Yeah, but I we've don't got a uh, a so- an energy drink in Australia called. Um mother and i had a, a judeo demonic symbol on it that quickly people stopped drinking after they found out what it was <laughs> well at least people there are smart man people here are just like oh it's called monster <laughs> okay get you wait for 14 hours awesome it's like what the fuck it's called monster <laughs> jesus <laughs> christ uh all right, so this okay. film it's 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 built around not just the aspect of these immortals having to hunt each other down and kill each other for the ultimate prize, this elusive prize at the end, which it never really alludes to what it is. They just have to kill each other. They're also trying to hide amongst people. Like it's going to be very hard to hide that you're not aging and you're you're not you're not dying. So they're constantly reinventing themselves and having different names throughout history. Um, and we see this in one of the scenes where the detective's kind of catching on to something. She's smelling something fishy about McLeod and she tracks one of his signatures and she uses a computer to track down all the, the letter um, formations and similarities throughout history. And according to this scene where a computer compares the signatures on the deeds of McLeod's house, his previous alias, Russell Nash and Adrian Montague, Jack Slefbert, Alfred Nicholson and Rupert Wallingford, they're all prominent people in history. Oh shit! So, so, I mean, um, I would be too if I was immortal for. Wouldn't you just reinvent yourself? Yeah, do a Nicholas Cage and just you know disappear for a hundred years and come back as an actor. Well, I mean, think about how much wealth you could build over hundreds, if not thousands, of years. You know, like, dude, you could just get to where you are super rich and powerful. You know, Especially it, if you're playing the golden rule, you're just collecting like precious metals and gems and stuff. You know that stuff's always going to be valuable. Yeah, yeah. Just start collecting the things that are valuable through time. You know, you've got plenty of time. You're not going anywhere, so you know, geez. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, uh, and that's what you know when you look at any movie where there's immortals, they're always prominent characters through history because of that. I think that's because, you know, there is, they don't want that MacGuffin of, oh, you're a nobody for 700 years, you know? Like, yeah. like, they never just gym the, the postman from down the street. Just, are they? Yeah, you've just been poor for fucking 500 years. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the worst existence that you could never get out of debt? <laughs> you're immortal and you're just poor for fucking 3,000 years. You're just broke as fuck and you want to die. You're just like, God damn it. I'm tired of living. 
This is the fifteenth car I've had to total. <laughs> I've lived under this bridge for two hundred years. Hey, maybe all the crackheads that are stripping copper from like big construction sites are just really poor immortals. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe they just realized, you know, they've been immortal for so long. They just figured it out. Like, man, fuck this system. (laughs) 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 Or they're secret rich fucking bazillionaires. And they're just like, man, I got so much money. I'm going to go pretend to be poor. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go check out these parties. That or they, you'd think they'd become psychologically unstable living life for that long. Oh, Would God. they get that bored that they just snap? Right, like that. Man, that's that's an interesting tangent to go on. Is like, how do well, you stay mentally stable for hundreds of years with all the shit you see, with all you know, the love and loss, watching possibly so many generations of children that you have live and die you know like like that would man how do you end up not being like i'm a cynical asshole and i've only been alive for 44 years man i can't (laughs) imagine what i would be like in another 400 years you just be like i'm gonna build myself a nuke Oh Jesus! I'm just gonna teach myself. I'm gonna build a new conservator. I just love. I, dude. I mean, that's maybe, dude. What if, like, the people that live, like Bigfoot, or the people that live in Inner Earth, they're just immortals that just were like, man, fuck. They've just gone crazy. (laughs) Like they've just gone (laughs) batshit crazy. Got buck naked in the hair growing up. Bigfoot's just a big hairy dude that's immortal and just went bonkers like 200 years ago. Just went completely fucking nuts. (laughs) To hollow earth? (laughs) Jesus. Uh, He's just some Uh, big bear, a big homosexual that's covered in hair. He's just a leather daddy. Yeah, and he's just completely yeah. lost his mind. So he's just running around naked in the woods. And other people, <laughs> well, it's, actually... it's just like a, it's like a human nature trait, right? And so, yeah. <laughs> so that's why you see him all over the place. Of these, these are immortals all over the world that have just gone batshit crazy and just ended up running <laughs> off into the woods, all in their own unique ways. It's interesting in the book. It actually alludes to that it was a French serial killer who was an immortal that was killing people. And they engineered the the French um, killing of the elites with the guillotine so they could wipe out all the immortals that were in France. Because it's a head-chopping system. Yeah. That's the only way to kill them, right? All right. That was pretty interesting. Um, We go through the film where McLeod has... He knows the police are onto him. They're they're sniffing around. They're, They're trying to pin him for the murder of the guy at the start of the film. And we see the Kurgan come into it. And the Kurgan's actively hunting down both McLeod and the other immortal, which is a African-American man. And the Kurgan fights this guy in an alleyway. And this is where we see the stereotypical 80s gun-toting ex-Marine driving around a Trans Am, I think it was, something like that. And he's getting around with a shirt on that says, hey, Russia, up yourself, up yours. And that's a great reference to the eighties of like the Cold War that was going on, right? I want, I want a shirt that says that. That's awesome. And it's really ironic that the Kurgan actually comes from Russia or the steppes of Russia as well. It see, it's all intentional, right? Like, 
Like, I don't think people understand when they make movies, every scene is put together to a point that there's nothing in it that's accidentally there. Not like at it, all. If you're going to notice it, it's there on purpose. And maybe if we're circling back, maybe it's that thing you're talking about. It's not just so much, hey, I'm going to put symbols of my um my favorite gods in everything. Maybe it's just they're bored, they're immortals, and they're just dropping in as much hints as they can because they're bored of their existence. Let's just tell them everything we're doing. Let's put it in there. Let's see if they'll figure it out. Yeah. Jesus, we're sick of this. Can y'all come chop our fucking heads off already? Like, you're being (laughs) really blatant about this shit. (laughs) God, you've got quite a few in the States. You've got that skinny skeletal bitch that's in the Senate in the States. You've got Kissinger who's still alive somehow. I don't know how. How is Kissinger still alive? still alive? Every time I hear his name, I'm like, that motherfucker's still alive. He's like a hundred and five or some shit. Like that dude is, he is drinking baby blood like crazy. I mean, he's got to just walk around. You know those people in hospitals? They'll be on a walk and they're just walking with their little IV thing. He's just like that, but with baby blood. Like, he's just walking around with his little thing. Because <laughs> he just needs a constant transfusion of baby's blood. That guy's single-handedly probably responsible for all the modern wars, wars in history. Instigating them, at least. Oh, very possibly. Very possibly. <sighs> oh, um, my God. See, that'd be something cool, too, is just to be immortal and have, like, no what history is and get into arguments with people that are like, well, my history book says blah, blah, blah. It's like, bitch, I was there. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) I was there. I was the one that killed that motherfucker that you're talking about. That would, that would actually be, that is something that would drive you psychotic though. If you were there and you know what history was and you saw how much it was rewritten and falsified, wouldn't that tip you over the edge? I mean... I wasn't there, but I know that history was all falsified, and it tips me over <laughs> yeah, the edge. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so if I was there and actually knew it was bullshit, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy thought, man. Immortality. What if we are, though? Like, what if we're living that? Like, what did... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I often think that you know the reason that we're here, the trapped the way that we are. Like why? Why? What what purpose is it? Like should we Especially trapped? they're dropping breadcrumbs like if you if you're a person who does believe in the old testament or the Bible, they're talking about people living nine hundred plus years. Yep, I, but I and have it, a logical, it goes down over time. I have a logical. Now it goes down over time, but that could just be the changing of how they kept time, right? Because I think Moses lived to be like nine nine hundred and something years old, right? But if you translate that nine hundred and something years old into months, so cycles of the moon, ah, uh, lunar calendars. He lived to be 75. That checks out. Yeah, that's that'd be the average age. That's pretty old for right. someone back then, too, you would think, too. Right. You? Right. And, and like, I was thinking about this. Like, you know, I'm in my mid 40s, and I'll start talking to my wife about shit that I used to do. Man, there can be a lot of life in 40 years. 
and and I had distractions like fucking TV and video games and movies and and all of that, right? Well, what if you don't have that? Like, then time is going to seem to be a lot longer, right? Because then you're actually you're you're doing things. You're an adult faster. You know, you're an adult basically maturity wise in early teens. And then you're doing adult shit mid to late teens, having kids, you know, doing stuff. And so you can kind of see where you can adapt it. You know, when I was an atheist, I always tried to debunk Christian bullshit. Um, And so I I would fucking hit Christians with that. Be like, nah, man, Moses was like 75. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, dude, you... They kept monthly calendars, not yearly calendars back then. They kept it different. You know, a year was not a trip around the sun because that's not what they believed back then. A year was an entire cycle of the fucking moon. That was the only thing they could keep track of that was regular. And and they would... Yeah, it was nowhere near the Gregorian calendar or the calendar that we've adopted now, was it? God, no, no man. I think it's so bastardized. I don't even think time happened. I, I think day and night is a fabrication. So. <laughs> but that's that's for a completely different podcast. <laughs> we'll go on a tangent. Don't get me rolling. Um, so, back to the movie, Immortal. Where are we? So it's it's this constant battle between immortals fighting for the elusive prize, and we're left with the the protagonist and the main character, main character and our main villain facing off. The Kurgan has kidnapped uh, the new love interest to try and lure him out to fight because he refused to do so. They sat in a church together, kind of alluding to the fact he was never going to fight the Kurgan. He didn't want to, so he's forced to kidnap the girl, and of course the hero has to come and save the day. So Connor fights the Kurgan in the final battle on this ludicrous fight scene where there's water everywhere that's only two feet deep, but he managed to completely submerge himself. Um, There's lights, there's fire, there's lightning. Very (laughs) 80s-esque battle scene. Neon lights, very 80s. Uh, Connor ends up defeating the Kurgan with heart, soul, and steel. And Ramirez, the guy who trains him during the film, Sean Connery says... He's saved by his lover's Brenda's heart, who demonstrates courage, skill, and care for others, who's the soul, and he bests the Kurgan with his sword fight, which is steel. So the three characters, they each represent one of those. One is heart, one is uh, courage, one is soul, one is steel. Um, And this is where it gets really weird, because we've got the whole idea that these immortals are just people. They're not quite human. They live forever, but we don't know whether they're good or they're evil or not. And we get this really weird thing at the end where he kills the Kurgan and all the final energy or spirits come out of him and they actually look demonic. They've got wings. They've got horns. They're screaming. They're writhing. They're bursting out of him. They're blue and ethereal and they all flow into Connor's body. And that's when he gets the final prize. And we find that the final prize at the end is to know all there is of humanity, to know every man's thoughts, to know every man's desires, to know what is in the heart and mind of men. And that just sounds exactly what the Antichrist is. If you'd go off a Christian ideology or a religious kind of way of looking at things, that's what the Antichrist is supposed to know. He's supposed to know everything about you, your deepest desires, so that he can manipulate you. And what do we have? One person with all those powers. 
Yep. And we're about to, we have that now. You, you realize that we have that now. It's technology. Yeah, technology it's in our pockets. Technology knows everything. It knows all of us. And it's an energy, you know, it's, and it's mostly blue light. So we're after head around. Yes. That. And that's why we need special glasses, right? Yeah. Here's how I'm coming around to where the second film plays into it and what I think the films are really about. We've got these immortals that, for whatever reason, end up on Earth and they're only found out they're immortal if they're killed in battle. Well, the second movie called The Quickening, it's a plot line that resolves around how the immortals came to be on Earth. And essentially it's a far-off planet in the middle of the galaxy. There's a rebellion going on. And there's all these people, which are the immortals of their time, fighting off against the king. The king captures them all. Instead of killing them all, he banishes them to Earth. And they have to kill each other to return back to their planet. Oh, fuck. So these are just the fallen angels. what? The immortals are the fallen angels. They're banished to Earth. And they have to fight each other to see who gets to return. And what do you see throughout history? You see all of these demonic uh, it's what we cultures, are. It's pagans the story that fight of humanity. It's humanity, right? It's just humanity. <laughs> Holy shit, would you look at that um, prison planet, man. Um, that's and it gets better. Wild. I've got to give you a teaser because you'll love this. The Quickening also has... McLeod, because he's got all this knowledge, right? He tries to solve the world's global warming problems and fix the ozone layer by shooting up a beam to cover the planet. It's like a firmament, but it sucks all the energy out of the planet so everyone gets reverted back to a 1920s technology. Oh, give me some of that. I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't knock it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, just... it actually has the firmament in it. it. Has fallen angels. It has demonic entities. The Highlander series, in my opinion, is just like a lot of tales throughout cinema and books. It's a retelling of gods and demigods, just put with a slightly different spin. Yeah, well, and we've we've been through that. I mean, that's all, that's what the Bible is. The Bible wasn't the first of its kind. That's what. That's what drives me crazy about people that strictly believe the Bible. It's like, y'all realize that wasn't the first rendition of that book, right? Like that, those are retellings of retellings at best, you know, and these are, they're, it was just written down in a different way this time, you know, but if you look through all of the different ancient cultures, they all have very similar stories written down. And I think that, is because um, of the Tower of Babel, where everything was was split apart, but we were all given the same history. It was just yeah, told in a same, different way. We've all got the same plot, the same storylines, similar archetypes. The heroes generally have the same background, the same personalities. It's just different names, different mm-hmm. skins, essentially. It's like different characters, but yeah. it's the same person. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's... You know, in, you know, one mythology, you'll have Zeus, and in another one, it'll be the exact same character, but just with a different name. You yeah, know? It's, it, and it's definitely noticeable in gods, like he's at the pantheon of gods. Yeah. They've got the and exact same powers. What if we were separated? We never thought that they'd get reconnected since we couldn't speak the same language 
and you know couldn't couldn't talk to telepathically or anything they the gods that rule over us they spread us all out and we're like fuck these motherfuckers they're never going to get in touch with each other again and and really the anti-crap yeah yeah and And ai chatbots man and maybe we're on our way to another babylon i don't know but the same it's the same story building a giant tower anyway probably well, I think I think the Tower of Babel is more of a it's a it's an allegory, right? Like it wasn't a real tower. I think it was like a spiritual or technological, which could be the same thing. You know, spiritual and technological could be the same thing. We don't know, um, but I think it was more, you know, of that line of thinking where it was it was not a real place. Babylon wasn't somewhere you can go they didn't build a tangible tower it was all mind body spirit kind of shit you know whatever yeah very possible it's a um not to go off the topic of highly but there's actually a new movie coming out called the creator and it's about a ai sentient satellite system up in space above the planet that becomes self-aware and decides it's going to nuke la and it nukes la and then humanity's in war with robots and all these um, androids for like over a hundred years, and there's soldiers hunting the last of them down. And the very last ones are—they look so humanoid that they're actually trying to access God, and their God is the satellite that's above in space, and they're trying to reconnect to it. Hell yeah, dude! Like the it, same story. It's the same narrative. story. It's always the same story, just retold. Every time. Have you seen The Gods Must Be Crazy? Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. I yeah. loved it. Dude, when I was a kid, that was one of my favorites. <laughs> and, All from yeah. a Coke bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved that movie when I was a kid, man. That's that's how easily we were entertained back then. Like, you show that... I've tried to show my kids movies from my childhood they're super not interested not enough shit to keep them busy you know like i don't know i've tried to show them stuff and say it's hit or miss sometimes they're like yeah that was okay and then some of it it's like half a quarter of the way through they are obviously not interested in it (laughs) i'm like oh man just hoping for this dad moment where i get to show you the movies i watched (laughs) <laughs> not even a harry and the henderson's moment they can't get behind that uh i think my oldest son i've watched that with but i don't know if any of the rest of them have seen it i haven't seen i haven't watched it in years but trying to get through to some of them my son's super not interested in uh in star wars which is a bummer he's just like yeah whatever I'm like it's fucking Star Wars, man. <laughs> like, well, it could be worse. He could be only into the new Star Wars, and I think that would be far worse than not being into it at all. I, I agreed. Yeah, because that's awful. Because he'd have <laughs> purple hair and awaken a nose ring. <laughs> oh, God, not my son. No. Jeez. He's going to be a country kid for, for life, hopefully, if I do everything right. You know, because we'll pass we'll we'll pass by houses for sale, and I'm like, check out that house. That's a nice house. And he'll be like, yeah, if it was on 20 acres. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <nice. laughs> That's my boy. 
<laughs> Screw them city houses. Anyway, man, sorry this took so long to get back together, man. It's just yeah, long over that fifteen hours ahead that you are. But I'm so so much closer. <laughs> you know, if that. you were if you were just the eight hours behind, it would be so much easier. I know, right? It would be so much easier because it would at least be on the same day. I think we are on the same day. It's just the way that they construct oh, time zones that for sure. Us out. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I I truly believe you are eight hours behind me, not fifteen hours ahead of me. Like that's silly. That's just silly. Fifteen <laughs> hours ahead of me. Like, what does that even make sense? It doesn't. Like the, the just in the direction the sun's going and where even where they say you are, it would be behind, not ahead. Actually, something happened really weird yesterday. Catalyst Jones from the White Rabbit podcast. He sent me a photo at nine o'clock at night where it was still really bright at night. Like the sun hadn't gone completely down. The moon was in the sky. The sun was there. And it was two o'clock in the afternoon here. And the moon is in the sky where I am. And the sun's on the other side. So the sun and the moon were in different positions from where they should have been compared to where what Catalyst was looking from. Even on other sides of the planet, air quotes. Well, I think because compasses don't really work south of the equator right like they they're not as accurate so i have a theory that australia is upside down and so what you guys think is north is actually south yeah if it's on a a, the flat plane it would work yeah because the center point would be north and then everything on the outside would be south yep yep and that would make sense to why they're like, well, why does the sky spin in a different direction in Australia? Because their north is actually south. Like it would just all turned about the wrong way. It's just from what they, we think they've it is. they've inverted it, you know, as they do. Oh, everything the old else. inversion. They inverted it. I mean, I don't trust any of the what the land masses look like. So, you know, no, they're but, fucking way off. Like I found out recently off. that the United Kingdom can fit into Lake Victoria. Yeah. The entire United Kingdom, and it looks massive on a map compared to what that lake is, but it fits entirely in that lake. Yep. Yeah, it's like Greenland is huge. Huge. Yeah. It's bigger than South America. And you know what I can never get a Glober to answer when they when I talk to them about the globe, and they're like, oh, well, you could see it. And I say, "Is answer a question. Is Greenland bigger or smaller than South America? And they won't even answer. No, wait. Like, show me a that. globe. Show me your globe. <laughs> show me a picture of your globe from space. Show it to me. <laughs> show me where the globe lied to you. It, you're it, you're going to see Greenland bigger than South America. And it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's much smaller. Um, All right. Well, for times. listeners. Anyway. Looks like yes. Andy didn't make this one. Andy, I uh, really wanted to hear his his input on this one. Yes, Andy, this we one's had so to get this make. one. We had to get this out. We had to get this we had done. To put it to bed. Had to get it done. Get this ball rolling because an object in motion tends to stay in motion. So we needed to just start moving forward again to right. the next movie, which I am crazy excited about. Idiocracy. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Oh. Oh, dude. 
I showed it to my son and I was like, I was like, this is supposed to happen in 500 years. It's you know not going to take do, that Bob? long. Idiocracy is so good, but we've got to watch Idiocracy. And then the following month, we need to watch Demolition Man. I'm into it. Because they tie in so well. Mm-hmm. They are almost the same movie. It's 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 basically two different directors got handed plots and said, here, make a movie with these plots. Oh. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's yeah. back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I was saying is uh it's it's like a you took one plot for a movie and you gave it to two different directors. Yes, exactly. Or you know how you get in Hollywood two films that come out around roughly the same time they're the same film essentially, like Dante's Peak and Volcano. Yes. That's what idiocracy is for Demolition Man, but they were years apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious because it's it is, it's dystopian future. Um, government is crazy. Big like, corporations. Big cor- corporations control everything. Different <laughs> levels of stupidity. Yes, right. Highly intellectual was, stupidity yeah, and the general masses. Stupidity. The general masses are dumb. You know, just your generic shit, and then give it to two different people and be like, "Here, make this movie." <laughs> and then you get <laughs> you get just the amazingness that is idiocracy. And Demolition Man. They they pair so well together. So I'm down with that. Uh, Hell yeah. It'll be good to do a comedy for once. Oh, dude. Just... There's so many good parts of that movie. Like, you can pick apart Idiocracy to a level like... You know, there's a story I recently heard about just about Crocs. Did you hear about how Crocs got their start? Like, as in, like, the the plastic clogs with holes in them? Those ones? Yeah. Those shoes? Yeah. They got their start in Idiocracy. No. Yep. How, what, what year did Idiocracy come out? It's like 98? Maybe. Because I thought doctors had been wearing them maybe? for years. I thought doctors were wearing them for a long time. Well, apparently the story is is that they were a new shoe company that was trying to get off the ground, right? And and the when they made Idiocracy, they wanted to do the scene to such a high level that they wanted to get a shoe that looked really stupid. They wanted a shoe that looked as simple and stupid as the people wearing it. And that's but when it they gives that appeal when people wear them. <laughs> and that's when they found Crocs, and so they bought up a fuckload of Crocs for that movie. And then everybody watched that movie and wanted to wear Crocs. So it's a big Croc conspiracy theory. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> push big like, croc. did 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 the owners of Crocs invest in in that movie at all? Well, you, you have know? to be a fucking idiot to wear those shoes. Who wants to make it look like their feet are in Swiss cheese? My son loves them. <laughs> Does he not? Yes. <laughs> yes. His Crocs are his favorite things. It's like when I was a kid, I wore flip-flops. Like, I just wore flip-flops all the time. Um, And his are Crocs. I can talk. I wear Birkenstocks a lot. 
Oh man, I never That's got a pair go. of Birkenstocks. I I did. I got a pair of Birkenstocks, but I, they looked goofy as hell. Some people can pull those <laughs> off, and some people can't. And I got some, and I was like, nope, this is not me. That looks dumb <laughs> as fuck on me. I wanted them to look cool, and they don't. I just look stupid, and I can't wear them. Uh, and so I stuck with my flip flops. <laughs> I just rocked flip flops <laughs> most of my like junior high and high school career. Um, Jeez, yeah, if that's Crocs. one small thing we can talk about for idiocracy, I wonder what's actually hidden in there because I don't think anyone's really deep dived on idiocracy since it first came out. It hit the ground and people kind of blew up over it because of what it was showing us. Well, but there's so the much time lapse now is going to make it interesting, right? Right. There's so much big stuff in it that takes your attention that you miss a lot of the little stuff. Right, like so, so I'm I'm gonna look specifically for little things and little symbolisms here and there, because it's like it's like Demolition Man and Wally World, you know that that yeah. Disney movie Wally. It's like yeah, those Wally. two movies together, where people are just done, dumb, mindless consumers sitting in their baiting chairs. Yeah, dude. Ugh, I saw some people like that earlier. <laughs> was it at a Costco? <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Wait, well, hey man, it's getting late. Yeah, man. Let's, uh, I am going to get out of here. Let's wrap this one up. Uh, this we'll was a fun one, one, man. I love this stuff. I, I'm looking forward to doing it more often. Um, Andy's Andy's got a busy life. He's got a lot of shit going on. He'll join us when he can. Uh, but we're just going to get this ball rolling. And uh, Andy... You're welcome anytime, man. Just uh, we'll always send him a link, and if he shows up, he shows up, and if he doesn't, he doesn't, and we'll just get this train boogieing on, man. I'm interested to watch the movies because I get to show a lot of them to my son. So, cool, brother. Right, Bob. Where uh, where can everybody find you, dude? You can find me on your Missing the Point podcast on all usual podcatchers, uh, Spotify, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. What about you, Bob? What are you working on recently? Man, a chicken coop. That's what I'm working nice. on. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. It's it's not. <laughs> it was a must. It, this wasn't a want. <laughs> um, but uh, you could find that. You can find me uh, at the Hidden Pod on Instagram. You can find my podcast. The podcast. Uh, see, I haven't even done this shit in so long. I can't talk right. I haven't I haven't had to pitch my shit in forever. Uh I I'm not currently doing a podcast myself, but you can find all my previous work at uh Hidden in Plain Sight on all your podcatchers. I am doing a new show with Chud X from Into the Apocalypse and Deborah Gets Red Pilled called Cons- Are We Consent? Content. Jesus fucking Christ. I gotta get out of is here. It, is it content or fallen content? Content or content are we? <laughs> content um and that's a fun show man i i dig that i love chud to death man that dude's as cool as they come and chatting with that dude weekly is definitely does everything i need to do so i don't know if i'll end up doing my podcast anymore but you know you find me over there for now other than that i'm out in the middle of freaking nowhere raising chickens Keep milking those chickens, Bob. Keep milking those chickens. <laughs> I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, guys, let's get out of here before Bob falls asleep. All right, man. We'll see you next time, brother. See ya. Good night, everybody. Over, man.